molding them, shaping them to become a better version of themselves. How long is it? I've got to work this out because I don't even know my age. I've got to work that out as well. <laughs> um, on, when I was in secondary school, I never thought that I would be a teacher working in school in this field. They're amazing people, um, gifted, talented, who can do so much. Yeah. But the effort that goes on behind the scenes, I mean, that doesn't get acknowledged as much. Now, some people um, would call me crazy, but I actually do enjoy what I do. The opportunity just sitting there telling them, you know, you do an amazing job, keep it up. And um, if I could, I'd tell them every single day. And it means a lot when they've asked you and you know that relationship, you know, that's something special. Definitely. You know, mashallah, you know, they are really nice people. And, uh, you know, the parents must love having them at home. And as I mentioned, that secondary school life, it's important to get right. Where, you know, physically, emotionally, a lot of changes take place. And uh, that's where you can direct them or you can lose them. Welcome to the Murabiyun Show, raising awareness of Islamic schools. Okay, let's get started. So I'm going to try something new on you today. Okay, some quick fire questions to get us started. All right. First question. When it comes to going to a meeting, taking notes, what's your preference? Laptop, notepad or mobile device? Oof. It depends on the meeting. Okay. Oh, it always depends on the meeting. No, because if it's meeting with the parents, then you tend to, I tend to take my diary and just jot down. Um, if it's a staff meeting, then I'd, I'd, there's always somebody taking notes for minutes. So it does depend. I, if it's a prolonged meeting, laptop, you know, having that in a meeting, I just don't find it appropriate that your head is completely hidden behind a screen. Yes, true. So usually what I like to do is pay attention to the meeting, take some mental notes, then later on, jot it down in my book. So okay. old school, pen and paper. Fair enough. Good. All right. Let's try the next question. What's the best time of the day? Nine o'clock when the kids come in or 3.30 when they're leaving? I would have said before that, <laughs> before nine, <laughs> before nine, um, it's nine o'clock, it's, you get a mixture of uh, looks on their faces, um, some are happy to be here, some are oh, another day, and that completely changes as the day goes on, it's just seeing them first thing in the morning, walking them in, I think that is a fresh, good start to the day, and um, that's your starting point once they've entered and working with them throughout the day. Alhamdulillah. Um, Favourite takeaway? We'll talk about food just a second ago before we Takeaway. What's your uh, favourite takeaway? I'm a dining in person, then takeaway. Dining in person. <laughs> yes, I like to sit in a restaurant and eat. Um, okay, what's your, what's your, what's your go-to cuisine for dining in? Go-to... Um, I like to try different places. So rarely do I go to the same place twice, unless, um, like for example, when it comes to ramen. There's not many halal ramen places. So if I need want to have ramen, fancy that, or go to Rama Ramen, um, eat there. Other than that, I tend to, okay, been here, let's try something new. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a, um, you know, one of the things, the sticking point is, I do not have fusion food and no buffets. <laughs> okay, if, if you're going to eat out, <laughs> you want the meal prepped, especially for you, for the plate, <laughs> then something that's been overheated for long, you know, no insult to restaurants that have got buffets. But, it's just, they're, they're the two things I uh, avoid. Okay, so that's a note to anybody who's planning to take or stand out <laughs> for a meal. Um, just no buffets and no fusion food, right? 
and no takeaway. Dining in. Dining in. All right, let's take a couple of more, inshallah. Um, okay, something interesting about you that your colleagues wouldn't know. Well, there's probably a reason why they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let us into something. Um, I think this this might come to come a, come as a shock to them. Um, I do spend quite a bit of time on my PlayStation. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, so I don't think they expect that from a head teacher <laughs> playing on the PlayStation. Um, you know, that's some, one of the things I had, and it's one of the things I enjoy doing with my son. You know, we pick up the game and say, "Let's go through the levels together." Oh, okay, and, that's nice. Um, it's, it's a bonding period, opportunity sharing, especially ones that you know you have to think. Um, more than just action, so he has a storyline to it and he yeah. takes you on his journey. So I'm a really fan of stories and um, yeah, I mean, that's probably something they I don't think they ever knew. <laughs> <laughs> probably many people didn't know that. No. So Alhamdulillah, you're, you're fortunate to be heading up um, this lovely school, mashallah. What is it that actually enticed you uh, to want to be a, a leader and a head teacher of a, a Muslim school? Um, that journey starts years ago and it's one of the main reasons why I started working in education and um, when I started teaching, working with Muslim students, I saw the long-term benefits and it's not just your own benefit but the benefit that students get and especially when you meet them after, it's many years later and you see much of them become imams, they become mechanics, they become working in different various fields and it's making you're moulding them, shaping them to become a better version of themselves and inspiring them that they can achieve and accomplish whatever they want to. And um, being a teacher, I felt my impact was only limited to a classroom. Okay. So I wanted to expand that, see that I want to help more people, I want to support them. And I feel I could do much more. And that's what led me to working with the school, started taking uh, headship roles, supporting them, Directing them, I felt not only am I working with the students, but I'm also working with the staff members, inspiring them, you know, how they can, you know, the huge role they play, the important role they play sure. in shaping these students' lives. So that's how how and why mainly mm. I got involved in things. How long have you been in um, kind of leadership uh, positions within schooling now? Um, it's come to 10 years. Mashallah. Yeah, I'm done. Mashallah. It's flown by. Yeah, so it's, oh, I look back 10 years, <laughs> um, it has flown by. And um, it only feels like yesterday, walking into my first school, thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> How long have you been in education, full stop, haven't you? Education, how long is it? I've got to work this out, because I don't even know my age, I've got to work that out as well. <laughs> so probably about 17, 17 years. Wow, mashallah. Yeah, so I started quite young. Wow. So it's one of those things, got into teaching quite young, started becoming a head of a department at a young age and really worked. Did you know like from a young age that this is what you wanted to do? Like you wanted to be in education or, or is it just, how, how did that come about? I didn't know. Um, on, when I was in secondary school, I never thought that I would be a teacher working in the school, mm. uh, working in a school environment. And my upbringing was completely different. Sure. I grew up in South London, didn't have many Muslims around. Um, there weren't really any Islamic schools there. So when I attended an Islamic secondary school, I had to take three buses to get there. Wow. So I had to leave, uh, catch a 6.33 bus in the morning. I still remember that. You know, there some days that I would be running late and the bus driver would know I would always catch that bus and he would wait for me that extra two minutes. Oh, that's nice. So I, I, at that stage, I never knew what I was going to do. And it was only when I was studying in Darul Ulum, uh, the principal approached me and said, 
we need you to teach English. I thought, well, me teach? Because, yeah, you know... You, whilst you were studying? Whilst I was studying. So whilst I was studying, said, we need you to teach English. I said, well, you know, I've finished my A-levels, I've started my university course, and um, whilst I was studying Darulum, so I was doing all of these things at the same time. So I walked into the classroom, looked at the faces of the children, and said, what are you doing here? And that's where the interest grew. You know, being in that classroom, seeing from a teacher's perspective now, from instead of a student's perspective. Sure. You tend to think teachers are there to make your life difficult. <laughs> so, <laughs> when I'm walking in there, I'm going to make their lives difficult. <laughs> but that completely flipped and I realised that, you know what, this is really good, I like this and I feel I'm good at this as well. Um, you know, confidence sure. goes in you and you feel that, you know what, I want to push this and improve and do better and do more. Sure. Just the reflecting, you know, had, had that moment that happened when the principal came up to you and said, you, into the classroom teaching now, how life could have been uh, differently for you? Sometimes it takes yeah. moments like that, right? Somebody sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. Mm. So he obviously saw something in you. It's quite interesting because it kind of leads on to one of my next questions, which is, who, who inspires you today to want to teach and who motivates you to do what you do? And we were fortunate... We have great leaders around us, great people around us. And um, one of the things that I have to say is I'm fortunate with the staff that I have around me. If it wasn't for the staff, I wouldn't be where I, where I am, wouldn't be able to do what I do sure. without them. And it's whether I'm fortunate or it's that in this field, they're amazing people, yeah. um, gifted, talented, who can do so much. So when it comes to inspiration, you find inspiration everywhere. And it reminds me of one of my mentors um, when I started in education, moving in leadership. And um, he would uh, advise me and direct me. And one of the things that he said, and it's always stuck by me, was that be the honeybee and not the dung beetle. Take the sweetness from everybody. Mm. And forget what doesn't suit you or you're not happy with. So I realised that whatever you see, look for what you feel that you want to take and learn mm. from them and benefit from them. Take that and apply that and understand that you may believe that this is the right way but you can't apply it everywhere so there's i can't specify if i, if I say one name two names there'll be names i've missed out and <laughs> somebody will come call me up and say you, you didn't mention me did you <laughs> so, so i'm not going to start naming names but uh, that person knows who, who they are and sure. i've spoken to him even um, many times afterwards and I've told him this thing always stuck by me sure. and I always look for inspiration in everyone whether they're leaders or teachers even mm. students you learn a lot from the of students of course no yeah. definitely what's been your biggest challenge uh, up to up to now uh, being in um, the role that you fill today is there a particular challenge or moment that comes to mind um, I think there's, there's many challenges. I think one that comes to mind right now, and I'm sure later on more will come to my mind. And um, it's that the not many people understand the difficulties that Muslim schools go through. Um, I'm talking about running it, the teachers, the staffing, management, how much time and effort they put into. It's easy to say, yeah, the finances are not there, you know, the staffing are not there, or so on and so forth. Make many, many excuses. Yeah. But the effort that goes on behind the scenes, I mean, that doesn't get acknowledged as much. You know, you get parental complaints, community complaints, but it's easier to complain than look at what benefit and what good has been there and changing that mindset. 
and that's why I try to invite the community, invite the parents, invite people, visit other schools, visit other places, speak to them, reach out for them to understand that work is going on, it's mm. progressing, it's improving. And um, would we be perfect? Can you compare us to any other schools? It, you can't. And a lot of people, you know, as my mum would always say, that you know, you have five fingers, none of the five fingers are the same. Mm. So when they start comparing, saying this school's like this, why is your school not like that? That mindset, I don't feel that's easy to change, but it's something that you'll try your best to educate them, to make them understand, at least appreciate what you have. And mm. there will always be weaknesses. Nothing's perfect. But everybody in this field aspire to ensure that do the best. Sure. Just being, just honing down a bit more specifically, you as a leader, head teacher, mm. um, in the role that you fill, is there a particular challenge that you've had to deal with? Um, that comes to mind? As I was saying, it's working with the community, working with the parents, uh, creating that partnership, sure. building that trust. You know, that's what's been the challenge. And that's one of the things that, you know, you can't change a person's mindset. Mm. You can't sit there with them and tell them, this is how it is, and convince them. You have to show them and show them through actions. And that's always been the challenge. You know, how do you do, come about with that? I was about to say to you, if 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 you had a magic wand, yeah. I'm not going to say that because that's not allowed. Um, but if if you had the opportunity and you thought there was one thing that you could do differently, what would you what would that thing be to change the mindset of the community and the parents um, to bring them on board? Is there something is there something that comes to mind? Um, if we, if we knew, <laughs> I'm sure we would have um, applied it in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, we invite them. You open the doors for them. And, um, you know, how, I mean, the way I see it, maybe we, not, we won't be able to change the mindset right now. Yeah. But the students and the people that we're working with, they will be the future leaders. They will be the future parents, inshallah. Inshallah. So if we can educate them, maybe can't work with one generation, work with the next generation. And that's what we do in the education sector. Yeah. You know, we're building <coughs> a generation for the future. And if we can, if they know and they see through their own experiences, that's something they can apply. In and amongst everything that you've, uh, alhamdulillah, achieved, is there any particular moment that stands out um, as a highlight, as an achievement? Um, there's, there's many. Uh, you know, alhamdulillah, that's, that's one of the things that's been a driving force mm. in staying in, in this um, profession is your achievements and not only just your achievement what you achieve collectively yep. with the team and people that you have and um uh, it's, it's quite a shame that we go by when we have our officer inspection and we mm. go by what officer give us with the grading mm. the ratings and sometimes there have been challenges in some schools that you know how do we get by this and there's one particular school that for 13 years it's always been bouncing from me to require improvement and they've asked me to come on board and it was a place where I've actually studied as a student. Sure. So I thought, let me give my time. And I, on the first day, I told them, look, next inspection, I'll get you good. And they looked at me for what? 13 years we've been going back and forth and you're, you're telling us you're going to get good. I said, look, have that much confidence. Just all you have to do is follow my instructions and you know, have that clear communication between you and I. And we can achieve it together. And uh, after 18 months, we had an inspection and we got a good with outstanding. Mashallah. And uh, for me, I remember going, you know, after having that meeting, I walked out, I said, I said, I'm in front of my wife, tell her the good news. <laughs> because you know, it does impact the family. 
because mm. that week when you have inspection, you're leaving earlier, yeah. you're coming back later, you're spending a bit more time. And for her to have that patience during that period of week, she should be the first one to know. Mm. And that's why the weekend comes. That's it, let's go dying somewhere. <laughs> I mean, they, these moments always stick by. There's a bit of a trend here, isn't there? <clears throat> when, you have a, when, you have, when you've had a good week, I can see the weekend is a, <laughs> it's a nice meal out. It is. <laughs> I'm struggling to think what happens when you have a bad week. <laughs> well, it's back to the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. That's really nice. I mean, to be honest with you, like 18 months is not a short period of time. And so you must have been on one hell of a journey to get through that. And so to 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 achieve um, success, alhamdulillah, and to share that with your family and celebrate it is really lovely. Um, obviously, you know, the last 17 years and the last 10 years, you've, mashallah, been fortunate to be able to um, teach um, and to nurture lots of young people. Is there a particular student without naming a name that comes to mind that's gone on to be successful or gone, you've gone on to see in, you know, in, in future years that you thought, oh, wow, mashallah, you know, maybe I wasn't expecting that from you or, you know, what a nice surprise. Is it, or is there a student that comes to mind? Um, there's, there's one that does come to mind, um, even though there's quite a few. <laughs> Sure. You know, Marshall, you know, since I've um, started to live in East London, so I do come across quite a few of my old students. You know, that's where they tend generally live. There's one that um, he's actually a teacher, at one of the schools that, uh, you know I work at. Marshall. So to see him teaching, being there, and he thinks back at um, days when I taught him. Sitting in my English classroom, thinking, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> and now seeing him teach English. Sure. So um, I think that's these are proud moments. Each time when you meet your students outside, they're proud moments. Um, you know, when you go into the masjid, suddenly you see the imam walking forward and he goes, hey, I remember him. Yeah. And you meet them afterwards, and mashallah, now they're leading salah, and, you know, leaders in the communities. Brilliant. Proud moments. Alhamdulillah. Sure. What motivates you to carry on doing what you do? Like, what's the driving force behind it all? It's what you asked me just before. Seeing how they've they've gone in this journey and where they are now. And that motivates a lot. And you feel that you've not only shaped them as an individual, you know, they've Im it impacts their family, their community. Mm. And um, you're able to do that. You know, there, there's two reasons that I really... You know, it's, it, it reminds me why I'm in this profession. Mm. And one is that you know you acquire knowledge, you pass it on. The second one is that you know when you die, it's reward that continues, sure. and it's one that gets passed on and passed on. And you know you've created and you supported with um, person, you know, molded and shaped them mm. in order for them to do well and become successful not only in this world but also in the akhirah as well. Inshallah, Allah accepts your efforts. Um, I mean, okay, so let's delve into that a little bit. Let's just say for a moment, right? You had the opportunity to do to do something different. Firstly, would you? It's a simple yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> would I? Um, I well, immediately first thing that comes to my mind is no, I wouldn't, um, okay. because as I mentioned before, I didn't know what I was going to do, yeah. what I was going to become. So, would I do anything different? Would I become something different? Um, no, I don't think I would. So even now, let's say, given the opportunity, if you were to go back 17 years ago, mm. could you see have seen yourself do something different 
what other interests did you have that you thought maybe I could have entered that particular profession? Maybe you were an aspiring sports star. Maybe you had a particular, um, you know, skill that you wanted to develop. I mean, growing up in South London, we always wanted to become a footballer. <laughs> so, Crystal um, Palace, right? Near there, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, don't, I don't support Crystal Palace, by the way. <laughs> I know my nephew's going to watch this and goes, ah, <laughs> you're actually a Palace fan. No, um, football, I always had passion for football. And believe it or not, even when it comes to leadership styles, you know, I look at players and managers and see what they apply and how they do things. I've got to ask you, what team do you support? <laughs> That's another thing that my students don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Your students don't know. My students don't know, so I try to hide it as much as possible. Uh, Maybe okay. some have some inclination that this is a team I support. Okay. Um, if you asked me a year ago, I would have told you. Okay. So now is not a good time to actually say. Oh, okay. I'm trying to so, think. So it's, it's probably a team that wears a red top, I imagine. Anyway, question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the other side of the fence, by the way, the other red team. So, I'm gonna... <laughs> good job they on that side of the Okay, but I mean, uh, yeah, so going back to what we were saying, oh, what, yeah, what so, would you do differently? Um, what could you have seen yourself doing? If, if 17 years ago somebody told me that I'd be working in a profession, which I'd wake up with a smile, look forward to the day, mm. no issues in, oh, I'm going to sleep a bit more longer, enjoy what I do, how the day goes with all this pressures and stress and difficulties and challenges and barriers that you will come across that you'd go home still feeling good about yourself feeling that you know you've done something yep. beneficial and tomorrow's another day i say brilliant what kind of job is that <laughs> is in education what? <laughs> you know some people um would call me crazy but i actually do enjoy what i do and and it's something that i feel uh, you know if i as you mentioned if the principal didn't tell me get into that class you know i don't know where i would have been Know, yeah. what I would have been doing and it's hard to imagine doing anything different mm. but um, yeah being a footballer would be nice <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure one day we'll find out those uh, the skills that you've got hidden talents that will come out oh <laughs> body's not the same but <laughs> I'll start, start making my excuses now before somebody yeah, I was gonna questions say, before we have the inter-school before we have the inter-school football tournament for the staff <laughs> um just a final question on this particular segment. Obviously, um, as you've kind of gone through your journey, and, and mashallah, now you're you're kind of heading up your your own school. You would have obviously, you once upon a time yourself were under the guidance of of, of other leaders, and you would have learnt a lot, and you would have uh, considered a lot with regards to whether that's the approach of leadership, that approach of leadership style is for you or not. Mm. I mean. Throughout those kind of through those early kind of seven or ten years, and, and then eventually subsequently leading into the the years that you've been a leader, what what's the thing that you learned, or the thing that you saw that you thought you want to do slightly differently, or that you want to hold on to maybe even? Oof, there's there's a lot. Um, one of the things that people don't realise is um, when a person becomes a head teacher, they tend to be in the teaching profession, so they're teachers before, but not everybody is built as a teacher to become a head teacher or in a management and leadership role. So it takes a lot of change within yourself, you know, how you were as a person whilst you're teaching a class to how you are in management. Mm. It's, it's completely different. And you have to be open to that change, adapt, and know that 
know, how you kept your relations during that time in the working environment, that all changes. Mm. And I saw how the leaders would conduct themselves professionally. And one of the things that I really take away is keeping that personal life and professional life separate. You know, knowing where to draw the line, when to stop. Mm. And you want your staff to do the same thing as well. And I found that any leaders that would work overtime, you know, you know the, the, in some cultures, you a person wouldn't leave before the boss. Yeah. So they have in mind, you know, you can't seem to leave before the boss. You have to wait until the boss leaves, then you leave. And I've learned that be the person to lead by example. You know, mm. where you draw the line, you cut off. You know what? It's not working hours now. Stop. I want you to stop as well. Mm. And they learn. Hold on. You know, I want to work. I have got time for it. And one of the things I always tend to do in my emails when I take on a new um, leadership role is I've emailed at the bottom of the email, I've emailed you at my convenience, please free, feel free to reply at your own convenience. Mm. So they don't feel, oh, I need to reply. I need yeah. to send an email back. You know, you'll be waiting for me. Um, so creating that balance within yourself, you can create that balance in your yeah. own school environment. Amasha, that's beautiful because I think one of the things that we need to, I think we can learn from is um, a balanced kind of work-life uh, approach uh, because we can all get consumed by, mashallah, the amazing work that we're involved in and, and the work that we do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and don't get me wrong, it, it doesn't stop. But I think there's a time and a place for everything, isn't there? Absolutely. There's a time and a place when you're on the PlayStation with your son. Mm. That's a form of obedience and, mm. uh, and serving mm. Allah by spending time with your young son. And then there's a time and a place to uh, be accessible to your staff. Mm. Um, and yeah, leading by example definitely uh, makes a massive difference. Before we kind of move on a little bit, I just want to ask you, do you see a distinct difference between a leader of a Muslim school and maybe a leader of a non-faith-based school? I know you have, I don't know if you've worked in a, in a non-Muslim <coughs> school before, but do you see a difference? Like what's the difference between the roles? I think the difference in a role is probably, uh, you know, because of our faith, because of our deen, we tend to care more. <clears throat> we care more about the staff, not only about you know the spiritual aspect as well. Because you would pay attention to, you know, are you giving your own time? Um, you pay attention to the emotions because you know about the family dynamics, especially, you know, as Muslims we tend to be family orientated. Everyone has a wife, everyone has a husband, everyone has kids, children parents they've got their duties there so it's easier when a person say i have to take my father to an appointment to say yeah take him why not mm. you've got your duties there you've got your responsibility there whereas without the faith is well book the appointment outside of school hours book on a day where you know you can actually take him or make other arrangements mm. but from a muslim perspective you would think you know take your parents you've got the opportunity inshallah we'll be fine Mm. You know, don't feel that oh, I have to come in, I have to do this, or I've got to make other arrangements because sometimes they can't. Mm. And um, you know, we have that understanding, that bit of empathy. Sure. No, mashallah, it's good to hear. Uh, I'm not sure how much I remind them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's an opportunity just sitting there and telling them, you know, you do an amazing job, keep it up. And um, if I could, I'd tell them every single day. And I'm sure the students would say, I hear them talking in corridors. You know, this teacher was fantastic. So that's the kind of culture that we have. This is how the whole team structure works. 
and uh, that whole family and they respect one another in their own roles so we've got Islamic studies team and you know how they take responsibility of you know educating them um, Islamically as well as giving Islamic guidance as well and they learn that you know they have female scholars that they can mm. turn to and have that attachment with the teachers as well I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Just to let you know, we've launched our newest product, Murabian Sports. When you get a moment, please visit murabiansports.com. We've linked up with a whole host of sporting organisations to give young Muslims an opportunity to access a variety of sports. And it truly is groundbreaking, some of the partnerships we've got in place. What does Tarbiyah mean to you? I knew that question was coming. <laughs> <laughs> prepared for it, right? Um, I should have prepared for it. And uh, one of the mottos we have here um, in our school is Tarbiya for Generations. Okay, for generation. It's moulding them, shaping them, empowering them to become a better version of themselves. And Tarbiya is not just in your own actions, but how you think as well, emotionally. You know, it's building resilience, independence within, within individuals. And not, as I mentioned before, not everyone's the same. And um, with every single student, you need to do things a little bit differently, have a different approach. But the main goal is that they feel confidence in the faith mm. and they comply on a daily basis. And they feel not only are they working for the dunya, but also working for the akhirah as well. Sure. So having that goalpost in mind, that I have my family, I have my uh, responsibility, but I also have my responsibility to work on myself in order to build for the hereafter. Do you know um, when it comes to kind of kind of conveying that message across to your team? Do you find that do you find everybody prescribes to it, or is it something that people need, the staff need to be kind of nurtured uh, to kind of appreciate and understand? Um, to be honest, when it comes to Muslim schools. I think that's the main goal that we keep in mind before a Muslim school starts up. Sure. Um, you know, it's for the students. If it wasn't for the <coughs> students, if it wasn't for the children, we wouldn't have these schools. So they know, walking into this school, that um, this is why the, uh, the school exists. This is the vision. Sure. This is what their role will be in order to apply that to ensure that um, we can achieve that goal. And you always remind them they remind each other that you know renew their intentions that this is why we're here this is what we need to do you know it's fine we get educated on maths english science but also help them to become a better person yeah. as well and it also reflects on themselves of course you know, because it's not just a one-way relationship here's two ways the children will benefit from you you would also benefit from them Definitely, that's a that's a great way of looking at it. You 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 grow yourself, you benefit yourself. Absolutely. Um, everybody has uh, everybody can learn off each other, and we know there's many stories like that in the in the time of the Prophet Sallam, where you know uh, he would uh, frequently reach out to younger people uh, to lead, to advise, etc. Okay, let's move on to the school, mashallah, that we're here today, Al Madani Girls School in Slough. Um, are you familiar with the elevator pitch? <laughs> Remind me. <laughs> so imagine we're in an elevator, mm. we're going up 10 floors, and I've met you for the first time, mm. and we've given each other salams, and I've said, oh, what do you do? Oh, you know, I work at so-and-so school. In, in that minute or so, mm. 
what would you tell me about this school if you had a minute if I had a minute okay so don't time me <laughs> I'll need a bit more a minute um, as a Muslim girls school secondary school it gives them the opportunity to be in a safe environment to flourish to learn more about an understanding about what it means to be a Muslim living in the UK living in this community for them to be confident about the faith you know, as I mentioned, empowering them. You know, it was all tarbiyah. This is all part of their learning, their journey. Mm. And um, from year seven to eleven, you know, that's when students grow very quickly, yep. rapidly. Early years is much more slower, gradual. And for them to understand themselves, that they are changing, they're adapting, they're improving as time goes on. That you're helping them on this journey, and the impact that you make during these years can be result in the latter years so this school aims to give them as much as some education understand the deen and alhamdulillah we have tafsir classes memorization of hadith du'as mm. presentation of quran with tajweed um fiqh in greater detail because they are growing they wouldn't be the future leaders mm. of the family the community or whatever they are doing whatever profession so it's important they're in that environment where they can learn from one another True. and be, feel safe and confident in themselves. Alhamdulillah. I think, um, like you said, the the different phases are, are different, aren't they? What the needs are of our young people from primary through to secondary. Mm. Um, and I think certainly even with myself, I'm already starting to start having those thoughts with my girls as well as to what does secondary hold more so than primary mm. uh, in, in inshallah if they're, they're able to pursue those avenues um, obviously mashallah it's not just yourself in the school you've got a team behind you and again without naming names but I mean just tell me a little bit about the culture of the team here and, and the people be behind it I mean I know there's obviously going to be layers mm. trustees governors your SLT your teachers Tell me a little bit about the team and the culture that you have. So, I haven't been in this role for that long. So it's coming, what, over, how long has it been? Between one and 18 months, probably. So, um, when I walked in, I noticed that the school operated like a family. They looked after one another, they support one another, they're there. The way they speak with respect. Um, helping supporting as much as possible and that phase down towards the students as well and then we have the governors and the governors their vision you know what they want to accomplish what they want to achieve mm. and um, <coughs> me coming in being that person taking the governor's vision what they want to achieve with the school and phasing it down with the teachers the mm. SOT the members of staff that we have and they made it easy for me because they were eager to support and ensure they delivered that vision. And um, all I had to do just continue to guide them and allow them to flourish and do what they're really good at. So as I said, I've been very fortunate to have them, um, every single one of them, from senior leadership all the way down to all the other teaching staff. And everything that they do is vital, it's important. And um, they make each other feel important. And uh, I'm not sure how much I remind them. <laughs> you know, it's an opportunity just sitting there and telling them, you know, you do an amazing job. Keep it up. And um, if I could, I'd tell them every single day. And I'm sure the students would say, I hear them 
hooking corridors. You know, this teacher was fantastic. So that's the kind of culture that we have. This is how the whole team structure works. And uh, that whole family, and they respect one another in their own roles. So we've got our Islamic studies team and, you know, how they take responsibility of, you know, educating them um, Islamically as well as giving Islamic guidance as well. And they learn that, you know, they have female scholars that they can mm. turn to and have that attachment with the teachers as well. I was just thinking to myself as you were just saying that that, that family type of environment, you know, <clears throat> I get a sense that the vast majority of our Muslim schools have that type of arrangement, that type mm. of setup, and and actually that that's probably the reason why if you were to relate it to your your your, your actual family, mm. how over and above you go when a sibling or or somebody asks you to do something, right? Mm. It's kind of like you know you know you're not going to get anything out of it apart from mm. the fact that actually they've asked me there's there's a responsibility there's an expectation you want to do it as well mm. and money can't buy that absolutely money cannot buy that that's uh, and it means a lot when they've asked you yeah you know for them to turn to you and ask for a favor or ask for support that means that all the people that could turn to they turn mm. to you and you know that relationship you know that's something special definitely. Oh, mashallah, it's really nice to hear that. What makes this school different to other Muslim schools? Um, I, what is, I, I don't like to compare um, schools. Uh, one of the things when I always walk in, I always ask the governess, you know, what makes your school different to any other school that the students could have attended? So you asked the question that I'm I asked, asking you. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was more with the community, because the communities are different. Sure. Um, so it's within Slough. What makes you different? Yeah. Why would a parent send their daughters to this school? You know, you could talk about the Islamic environment, you could talk about the education, and um, they'll say, well, we could get education in any other school. And this is why we've incorporated this um, Islamic studies, um, where, as I mentioned, they le learn tafsir, sure. translation of the Quran, starting from the Juz Amma, so the sources that they memorize, mm. they learn the meaning behind it, why it was a revealed revelation, details, hadith, memorizing them, du'as, they learn fiqh, <coughs> and is more greater detailed fiqh than mm. what they would have done in Makadibs in five to seven attending masjid, and it's more in an environment where they can express themselves and ask questions. Sure. So they're not shy, um, and they will get the right guidance. So having that, and also helping them to understand what it means being a Muslim in today's day and age, because it can get quite difficult and a lot of questions. And they have somebody accessible there all the time. They can just go up to them and mm -hmm. ask them, look, this is what was on my mind. You know, can you answer it? Do you know the answer to it? How can you help me support me? This is how I'm feeling. Emotional support that they get. And that family environment helps them to feel confident that they can go to the teachers. And the teachers feeling that you, know, you are part of my family. Mm -hmm. That I will help you as much as possible. That the students are not another number, not another name. But they are individuals, and it helps being a small school, small class, mm. that you know every single child individually. Mm. That obviously definitely makes a difference. That's it. You know, in the, in the time that you've been in the, in the school, is there a, a special moment that stands out? Um, there's. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you don't sit there and reflect. Mm. When it happens, it happens. Yeah. And it makes you smile. It makes you really proud. And it could be the smallest of things. Yeah, it could be. You know, such what, 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 what comes to mind? You know, the first thing that came to mind is how students hold the door for one another, 
giving a salam and how they talk respectfully. Mm. You know, you hear all of that because I tend to move up and down the building a lot because the office is right at the top. So it doesn't help that you have to go up and down the stairs. <laughs> and just hearing how they communicate and you feel, you know, mashallah, you know, they are really nice people. And, uh, you know, the parents must love having them at home, I assume. <laughs> uh, so it's, these things really help and you know they can really show who they are in this place and be comfortable. If I had the opportunity to speak to one of the girls and ask them about the school, what do you think they would say? Um, I can tell you what they say. Well, one of the common themes they always say is it's like a family. When they have issues, problems, they want to resolve it. Sure. Others will get involved. Um, you know, even other year groups, when they see you know, there's conflict, they will come and help try to resolve that. They feel, no, no, this is not how we um, talk to each other. This is not how we fight. We don't have disagreement. Mm. Let's sort this out now. Let's go overcome this. And when friendship breaks, they tend to resolve it immediately. And this family environment, you know, the year 11s, they're like big sisters, the younger ones. And it's amazing to see. And then the year 7s, they come with a high energy. <laughs> so um, it's, 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 it's brilliant. And, you know, when they feel as one in unity, you know, that's where they can really flourish. And uh, I think that's the first thing they will say about the school. And uh, hopefully um, a great head teacher as well. <laughs> <laughs> Depends after they've listened to this podcast. Um, what, what, what would the community say in that regard as well? The local community, what would they say about the school? What's the word um, in the street? You know, this, this is one of the things we discussed earlier, isn't it? About, you know, changing the perception in the community and making them understand. And um, I feel in some way the feedback that we get from the community is that it's fortunate that there's a school like this within Slough. Mm. They can send their daughters and they feel that, you know, they'll get the right Islamic education, right guidance, you know, throughout the day because parents have their parental responsibilities when the child goes home and they'll have that child until the next day when they go to the school. What happens between that time, the uh, parents are entrusting the school. Yep. That you have my daughter now. So what you do during that time, I'm trusting you. How you educate her, how you support her, how, you know, you direct her. Mm. And um, for them to have that trust in us and to send the daughters, so perception they'll have that, you know, it's a safe environment, they'll learn about, more about the dean. And when a parent has a concern, it's also our concern. Mm. So they'll come to us and say, you know, mention things that, you know, even their difficulties. And we'll work together, together. To, in order to help the child. Because sometimes there will be difficulties at home, we don't see it in school. It'll be difficult in school, we communicate with the parent that, you know, this is what's happening in school. Yeah. How's things at home? And we have that back and forth communication. We have open door policy. If you want to come in, talk to me. Sure. Uh, meet with the teachers, discuss anything. We're here, here to help, here to listen. Mm. Uh, none of this, book an appointment. You know, when, God knows when the appointment's going to come. Or you've got parents meeting a couple of months down the line, just wait until then. Mm. Because if you don't tackle it or you know, address the issue you know, at its early stages, then it can become very difficult. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, no, that sounds sounds like a, a wise approach to take. If you'd like to participate in the Murabiyun show, why not get in contact? It's as simple as going to our website, murabiyun.com, and filling out this simple form. What would be the impact if this school wasn't, be, if this school wasn't here? So the community that you serve at the moment, if this school disappeared tomorrow, what would be the impact? Oof. The impact, because we're the only 
Muslim independent girls secondary school. So reason I say in this area, in this area, the only one. So we do have another Muslim girls secondary school, but being independent, we're able to really, you know, build our ethos around Islam, sure. around our Deen, and able to create an environment. And say no, this is how it's going to be. These are the kind of policies we have in place. If the school wasn't to be here, you know, it would be a huge miss for the community, and I'm sure they would have started one another school up immediately. Yeah, you know, it's it's much needed, and uh, you know, especially with our daughters growing up in today's day and age. And uh, as I mentioned, that secondary school life, it's important to get right. Yeah, the foundation years are your primary. They get to secondary. That's where, you know, physically, emotionally, a lot of changes take place, and uh, that's where you can direct them, or you can lose them. So having that, as I mentioned, when the parents send the child to school, that period of time, parents given that trust. So there's a value to the school, and I hope the community see that and understand that value. If not, um, they really should think, you know, it's, it's easy to say we want to educate. We want the best, you know, achieve so much in education, yeah. get a degree and so on and so forth. But if they don't have that tarbiyah, that characteristic, mm. that identity, how would they benefit with the knowledge? Because as an individual, you know, as, as I say, your, um, <clears throat> um, what's the saying is going to be on my head, but along the lines of how you, uh, who you are, what you accomplished would get you recognition. Mm. But your character is what wins the heart. And that would make you last longer in relationships, in work, in life, whatever you do, it's your character, your therapy. Mm. That That's what will help you in any any issues and problems in life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Definitely. Because the adab and akhlaq that you demonstrate with people um, remains with them. Absolutely. Definitely. Now, mashallah, beautiful. And I think, you know, alhamdulillah, like I said, even myself just coming here today and just having never been here before and just approaching the school, um, and just, just the overall kind of approach to kind of how being welcomed in, alhamdulillah, it's been really nice, alhamdulillah. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about Islamic schooling in general. So not about your particular school. And okay. I know we spoke uh, just before we got started about, you know, mashallah, you're involved in a couple of other schools um, and you've been involved in the Islamic schooling movement for some time. But let's start off somewhere really simple and straightforward. Help me understand something. What is an Islamic school? What is an Islamic school? Um, as one person told me, it depends how hot you want in chili. <laughs> okay, so everybody has their own perception. You know, what kind of Islamic school they want to establish? And one of the things I've learned in working in various schools, you know, comes out knowledge about how hot you want in chili is how Islamic and what is it that you want in that school? Yeah, that makes you feel that it's Islamic enough. So for you, what so is an Islamic school? For for me, is an Islamic school is where a student can um, practice their deen openly, freely, and understand and learn more about the religion. Mm. That's basically the first foundation, and that's what makes it in Islamic school, that you can learn more about the religion. Understand that this is how you are as a Muslim, this is how you conduct yourself, this is how... and learn about your deen, learn about what's in the Qur'an, the Sunnah, sure. and um, basic etiquettes as well. How you do that, schools do it differently. So I'll say that that's what makes an Islamic school, having that. And based on that, 
It might sound pretty, yeah. it might be a pre pretty obvious answer to it, but is there really a need for uh, Islamic schools here in the UK? And, that, and partly I say that yeah. because the vast majority of young people yeah. haven't yeah. and still don't go through Islamic schools and they're able to live a fulfilling um, Muslim life. Believe it or not, I'm not on the perception that a child must attend Islamic school. Mm. Okay, I, w I wouldn't say every single Muslim must go to a Muslim school. It's It all depends on what parents want from the children. Sure. And um, how much input they have at home. Because you can send your child to any school, but if you haven't created that environment at home, then it may become quite challenging and difficult. Have, sending your child to a Muslim school, an Islamic school, it helps you. It supports you as a parent that there's that continuity whilst they're at school yep. and that direction. Um, so it may be for some, may not be for others. Yep. So it's the, it would be down to the parental choice. Um, if somebody asks you, I send my child to Islamic school, Muslim school. Well, what is it that you want from your child? Yeah. You know, where, how do you see them? What support are they getting at home? Mm. You know, are they attending? Do they have any connection with the masjid? Mm. Are they attending madrasa? You know, do they discuss with the imam? Having that, you know, not every parent have that Islamic knowledge and understanding yep. to the extent of a scholar. So when you send them to an Islamic school, you know, I can't think of any Islamic school that don't have scholars working within that school environment. Mm. So they have a person to direct them, advise them, who are accessible, easily accessible. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it, it comes down to what resources and access um, they have outside of their mm. normal schooling system, but also yeah. what aspirations parents want for them as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's a good way of actually putting it. I mean, look, mashallah, we've got hundreds of Muslim schools dotted around the country, and you know, Muslim schools have been established here in the UK for well over <coughs> thirty years. What do you think are the biggest challenges that we have with our schooling system today? Biggest challenges, um, I think, the world around us is rapidly changing. And it's keeping up with the times. We've seen how technology has changed, especially when COVID hit. And we had to create this um, online learning. Yeah. And uh, you know how we adapt to that, how the teachers adapt to that. And you know some are not so tech savvy. It's that whole rapid change and keeping up with it. I think that's been a huge challenge. And uh, it's one of the things, you know, especially with AMS, getting the schools together, some schools together, working together, collaborating together, sharing ideas. That's benefited a lot, mm. that we can learn from each other's good practices and see, you know, does this suit us? Can we apply this? You know, there's guidance there. And um, having that community of schools that learn from one another, you know, that's benefit hugely. And um, we can't be the same for five years in a row. We need to adapt, we need to change, we need to make some improvements. And how we go about with that, that's where, you know, that's been our main challenges. Sometimes we don't know what the next steps are. But somebody always tells me, that, you know, why don't you start up a school of your own? My response is that if it's my own school, when do I know when I've, I've gone as far as I could go? Mm. You know, who's going to tell me? You know, you need to step aside now. Somebody else needs to come in. New vision, new direction. Yeah. And that's what helps in, I need the governors, maybe they're great and suited for that. But for me, I need someone to tell me that, you know what, I think this is as far as you can, you can really take the school. You yeah. need someone fresh to come in. And I completely accept that because you won't be the perfect person for that job. Mm. You'd be great for the period that they have you for, 
and then maybe if they want to move to a different direction or another step up, more than welcome to bring another person in and sure. that they will take you to that to next stage. Do you, based on that, I'm going to ask you something a little bit controversial. Yeah. Do you think then maybe some of the people within our Muslim schools are, have spent too much time in those schools and maybe they're a hindrance to the development of the school? Nobody comes to mind, so... <laughs> just, generally, just generally, just generally. Like, because, I'll, because I'll, look, this, this mm. problem doesn't just exist in Muslim schools. That, mm. that, that idea and that concept of people overstaying their welcome, it can mm. happen in many institutions. It can happen, and um, as I said, it's something that I apply to myself. Because, you know, nothing's for certain. You yeah. know, the only thing that's certain for you is death, freely. But nothing's certain for yourself. You know, how, you know, are you, will you be able to get the same result in the long run? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you've sat there for such a long time, they've gotten used to you, or, you know, to take your word seriously. Yeah. Sometimes a new head that walks in completely changes the environment. Oof, somebody said, now we need to, you know, impress this person, yeah. do so well, the students are, oh, new head. <laughs> now they've got to learn how this person is. It's, it's difficult, I can understand from an individual perspective, it's difficult to know when your time is up, you know, when you've become a hindrance. Yeah. And not many people will say it to your face that, you know, you need to go now, <laughs> move on. Not many people will say that to you. And it's uh, being open-minded as an individual yeah. and um, realising that a time may come and it will come where you need to move on, you need to try something new or go to another school or share what you're great at and help another school. Mm. So it's not that you can't do this job anymore. Maybe your expertise are required in another school. Help them, support them, yeah. and take them in that direction. No, definitely. There's a lot of talent, mashallah, within our uh, Muslim schooling movement. Um, yes. the lo lots of transferable ideas and skills. Let me flip that question um, 180 degrees then. So where I said to you, what are the challenges? Mm -hmm. What do you believe are the opportunities for our Islamic schools moving forward? Um, opportunities that that's huge. I mean, the world is like an oyster to you. You know what you want to accomplish, what you want to achieve, how mm. far you want to go. It's that drive, that vision. That you know, this is your short-term goals. This is long-term goal. This is where I want to be. And um, I always come in with at least a minimum three-year goal. That in three years this is how where I want it to be in three years. Yeah. Where how I achieve that, I set my targets. This is what I want to do. Mm. And um, I don't tend to share that with everybody. Uh, what the targets are, because they, it's, I work on a need-to-know basis. Um, you know, your problems, your difficulties, where you want to do, what you want to accomplish. You don't need to share that with everybody, but you can work with them and direct sure. them, and you can reach that goal. So, how you want to be as a school, I always say that have your own identity. Mm. Be the school that you want to be, and not a school like other schools. I want to be like this school. I want to be like that school. That school's done so well. But generally speaking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Generally, so let me rephrase the question. Yeah. Generally speaking, not about your particular school or, mm. or for yourself in particular, what do you think are the opportunities for Muslim schooling in the next 15 to 30 years? I mean, much greater reach. Um, communities shaping them, working. It's, them as generally is, is difficult to answer. Nothing really comes to my mind. I'm trying, I'm trying to work it out. <laughs> like I said, I don't have much time for reflection and it would be great. 
to actually sit down and to reflect on these questions. And, you know, Marshall, you're sitting here, you're asking me these questions, give me some, something, you know, I've got to think about this now. I've got to take back. So now after this, I'll answer cameras off because, oh, no, I'm going to look back. I should part, mention, don't worry, should part two will be part two. more polished. <laughs> this again. Um, opportunities. Do you I, know, I'll, I'll tell you why I asked you that yeah. question, right? Because, like, mashallah, if you take yourself as an individual, you know, you've, you've had you've had exposure and access to not just schools in London, but across the country. And you yourself have gone through an Islamic schooling seminary yourself. So you've had a lot of exposure access and, you know, you've, you've been a consumer and also been the kind of provider as well of that service. So in many ways, you know, you've got a, you've got a good perspective of it. And, and so when I, when I look at the whole movement and then I look at society and the dynamics changing, I, I look at it and I say, okay, it is challenging, but, surely there must be some opportunities there for our uh, schooling system as well. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I know we talk about when we have to implement SMSC, to implement British values, we have to implement SRE or RSE, or however they want to rephrase it. These are questions that, as Muslim schools, why are we not tackling this? Why are we not implementing this? Why are they not being a centre of you know, exposing our children? to these things in the right, correct, Islamic environment, in Islamic yeah. way. And when it comes to the whole SMSC, spiritual, moral, cultural, we should be thinking about this. And um, what I tend to do is, um, you know, we have our regulations and things that we have to meet, minimum standards, how we apply that. I always question, okay, what's the benefit of applying it? Now let's share the benefit. That's our goal, mm. to applying this will accomplish this, the students will become like this, the staff will become like this, and the environment will be created in this way. So even when you're talking about whole you know, relationship education, you know, relationships as a general thing, we should be having that conversation with our children because of what the, they can be exposed to. Yeah. And because being a Muslim school, we have that great opportunity to give them the Islamic perspective and make them understand Islamically, this is what Islam says. Yeah. As a Muslim, you know, this is how it is. You grew up in South London, being the only Muslim Asian family within a two-mile radius. So we always taught that, look, as Muslims, we are like this. Um, others may do something completely different. It doesn't mean that it's right. Yeah. So what others do doesn't make it right. Yeah. So that's the kind of upbringing I've always had. So we'll see non-Muslims, they'll behave in this way, they'll do this, you know, they go to parties and celebrations, so on and so forth. And we always thought, no, as Muslims, we don't. Eating halal, halal wasn't accessible for us. You know, where you have so many chicken chip shops around the corner, we never had that. So for us, we had to take a 40 minutes bus ride to get to the nearest halal chicken and chip shop. So seeing them that whatever food they will consume it, we should be having these kind of conversations with our students. We should be educating them and not feel, oh, it's like a taboo subject. Yeah. You know, who's going to discuss it? The parents, teachers, they're going to pick it up from somewhere. Mm. So it's more of a wake up call for us. Sure that we should be educating them and helping them, supporting them. Mm. And um, like I said, as long as we apply the Islamic ethos to it, and Islamically, you know, as a Muslim, you know, that's the main core foundation. And as you mentioned, what, what, what makes an Islamic school? Having that as your foundation. We're an Islamic school, and this is why we're teaching, and how we're teaching it. Sure. You know, one of the particular um, challenges that all Muslim schools face up and down the country is finance, right? Yeah. What would be your, if you've thought about it this deep, but mm. what would be your solution to finance and improve the financial position of Muslim schools? 
Um, spend wisely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th th you know, th that goes without saying. Um, I believe in the greatest resource that you can financially invest in are your staff. Because you can buy it's pens, stationery, and so on and so forth, and have a great, amazing classroom. But if you don't have the right teacher, yeah. a role model, you know, for the students, then as white as the walls can be, as clean as the tables and chairs can be, and as amazing state of the art, it all goes to waste. Yeah. So it's having that oversight of where should we invest? Where should that money really go to? Yeah. It's great having tablets each. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying it's great to have a tablet each. But what if you pay a teacher a little bit more? How much input can they give into a classroom? Yeah. Feeling that, you know what, um, I've, been, I've been appreciated. You know, I don't have to have worry. You know, we find many teachers who have second jobs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which is very difficult you know, for them to balance out. They'll teach in the morning and then they have the afternoon and evening supplementary school classes, some maktabs. And they're teaching that yeah. as well. And um, I'm sure most cases is because they enjoy what they're doing mm. and they feel that, you know, there's something they want to do. Mm. And I'm just hoping that it's not because of finances. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, I think that is a, is a factory as well, though. And, and I actually, I look at it and I think to myself, if we could just even just overcome that problem, you know, what you'd get out of that member of staff, you know, would be so much more because there'd be all their energy, all their attention... I'm not having to worry about the second job and all of that. Um, so the kind of final question before we kind of start wrapping this all up is really about some advice and nasiha that you would give to another leader with, with regards to um, kind of improvements that we can make to Muslim schooling uh, or, or opportunities that we can make the most of. Um, you know, what would be the one thing that you think that if we all kind of came together as leaders, we could do to improve the whole movement? Um, one of the things I've learned during the years of leadership is nobody tells us that we have to, be, we have to prepare ourselves and educate ourselves in order to become a great leader in management. We hear about leadership management courses and um, it's something, oh, it's a tick box. You know, we just attend the courses and it's all done. Applying professionalism in all areas, and that can also be your part of that as well. So, especially working in a mixed environment, in a female environment, when you maintain that professionalism, yeah. that creates that part of that there, that you know there are boundaries, you know, you wouldn't cross. As I mentioned about timings, you know, how far does this conversation go? At what time? When do you communicate? Creating that boundary by maintaining professionalism. Mm. And we can only apply and understand what professionalism means. Uh, educating ourselves, reading. You know, I love listening to audibles because you know, uh, I travel quite a bit. I don't get time to open up a book and read it. Yeah. Um, and especially I get travel sick on the train, so I just put my headphones on and just listen to it. <laughs> and that's why my sisters, they hate getting into cars with me. They go, you just listen to people talking. They're just talking. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so interesting. They've been listening to this podcast. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like to hear my own voice. So, <laughs> so even the speeches I give, I never listen to them. I thought, right, it's there on YouTube. I leave it. It's not a problem. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a great believer in, you know, sharing that professionalism and how you apply it, yeah. sharing that good practice. Because, as I mentioned, when you're walking um, as a head teacher in the first school, how you set the bar from the first day, mm. it matters. 
because if six months down the line you think you know what, I'm gonna change it up, whoa, what happened there? <laughs> yeah. Something must have impacted it. So that's why again it comes back to why we move from one school to another school. You know, we learn things, pick them fresh start, yeah. opportunity to get things running from the ground upwards, um, maintain that professionalism. And I also give a one more advice as a head teacher um, in management and leadership. What gets you by? Buy a coffee mug that keeps your coffee warm. <laughs> Honestly, that's the best gift I ever got um, from two, two of my colleagues' friends um, when I left one of my schools, and they got me this mug, ember mug. And it's, you charge it, and it keeps your coffee warm for up to three hours. Wow. Because we get busy, get rushed off. You know, my coffee's half drunk, it's, it's gone cold now. Yeah. But this will keep it warm, and you walk out of the office, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're getting busy, and then when you come back and it's still hot, yeah. you get to sip it down because sometimes you pick up the cup naturally you drink it oh it's cold now do you have time to go and make another one okay and it's having these little things in place and helping you to do your job yeah. and you don't have to worry about the smallest things so my advice to you would be get used to having cold coffee because <laughs> I've got used to it no uh, listen Jazakallah uh, Mashallah it's been a real pleasure it's been really nice to sit with you meet you understand your story and um, no, Alhamdulillah, you know what, um, I love doing this because I always take something from everybody and <clears throat> some of the gems that you shared um, will, will definitely stick around with me and I think...